welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, queen of burnout and sass, and of course, mother of dragons as well, Dr. Freaking Heron Wiseman. I'm super pumped to be talking with a fellow physician in Indiana. She's an amazing pediatrician who's been doing it for over 25 years, and she's coming today to talk about when she got labeled as a dysfunctional physician. Bum, bum, bah! you know, like all of our worst nightmare. She's actually lived through it and she's releasing a book all about it called Just What the Doctor Ordered, Five Pillars of Optimal Health. Who is this amazing lady? It's Dr. Lamia Catby, MD. She's all these things and she talks about going from burnout to mindfulness. It was just a delightful conversation that I had with her, and I'm so excited to share it with you. She talks in there where you can purchase her book on her website, and so make sure you check out the show notes, and that will get you into the right place. So here we go into our conversation today. Welcome to the podcast, fellow physician and Indiana resident. I am always so excited to find somebody else in my state who is doing this great work, Dr. Lambia Catby. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. All right. Well, tell the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and the magic you are putting out into the world. I am a woman, a mom, and a pediatrician. I've been a pediatrician actually for over 25 years. I practice in Munster, Indiana. Uh, I work currently work for community hospital. At some point, I was a private practitioner, and uh, I could not handle the pressure of that part of business. And I wanted to provide pediatric care in the best possible way. So I joined forces with community hospital a few years ago, and uh, I still work with them and for them. I love it. You know, and I think it's something that's absolutely okay to say like, hey, this is not working for me, you know, and make those pivots and shifts. But sometimes, I don't know about you, I dig my heels in. I sure did. And I, I'm telling you, it was not an easy transition for me. It was difficult because I'm very proud, obviously, like as we are, as we are, all, like we all are proud, like physicians. I think we I mean, we're here to serve and we think at some point in our lives, we believe that we can do it all. And it comes a time that, you know, you need to know when to take a break and say, no, I can't and I need help. And that's why I did. Yes, absolutely. And you reached out to me recently because you have something new coming out into the world. So let's talk about that. So, yes, I wrote a book. It is going to be published very soon. And the title of the book is Just What the Doctor Ordered, The Five Pillars of Optimal Health. And the reason I wrote the book, it is in part to tell my own personal story and how I came out on the other side of it. I did it all. I am the mom and the woman and the pediatrician who wanted it all. I wanted to be a physician. I want to be a mother. I want it to be, I have to have a, like, you know, the nice house and the big social uh, like circle. And I wanted to have it all my way. And I pushed through it, pushed through it, pushed through it until like I ne- realized at some point this is not working and my health got affected. All of that running 
it definitely affected my own health. And at some point in 2014, I was actually declared dysfunctional physician. And I had to do lots and lots of work, self-work. I came out on the other side, strong, grounded, guided, and still practice. My practice is stronger than ever. So in a nutshell, that's what the book is all about, that we can come out on the other side. Oh my gosh, that's super inspiring because I think 2014 was my year from hell. I call it my worst fucking year ever. And so I think it is so important to share these stories, one for the physicians to come so that you know we can normalize the conversation. And two, for the physician is who's in their first, their worst fucking year in 2022, you know, to say like, there is hope, you are going to be okay. This is not your forever. And hey, like, this is what helps me, maybe it will help you. But if it doesn't, you keep looking for what can help you. No doubt. I love how you said it. And I'm absolutely like, shocked now that you're saying that 2014 was also your worst nightmare. I was gutted. That's how I say it. And that's why I say in the book, I was gutted. I was gutted in my Two of my foundations, my foundation as a mother and as a foundation as a physician. And what I thought was the worst nightmare, now I know it was actually probably one of the best things that happened to me. You know, and it's so hard to say that when you're in the middle of it. I remember, you know, really being in the middle of my burnout. And I always describe it in two ways, either feeling like I was drowning every single day and I was just struggling to stay above the surface or feeling like I was in this deep, dark cavern and just looking up and trying to find some light. And in those darkest times, you know, I'd hear people say, oh, yeah, like that that ended up being the best thing. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is not. And like, you can't you can't see that and you can't go through it. I know for me now, man, if I had the option to go through it again, I don't know that I would. But I do know that it made me stronger. It definitely set my course correct. I don't know if I would have course corrected. And maybe I would maybe I would say that it was helpful, but it still hurts a little bit. You know what I mean? So talk a little bit about the healing for you. You don't have to give away the whole book or anything. No, definitely. Now I am in much better place, obviously, but it took years. So what you said resonates with me with me greatly. Do I want to go through it again? Heck no. I don't. And I do not wish it on anyone. And this is why part of my book, it definitely, if you practice the five pillars of optimal health, I believe you can have the grounding and the attitude, the positive attitude and practice self-care and self-love before you get to the burnout. So prevention is key here. We don't want to get to a burnout. I don't want anyone to be called dysfunctional physician. It was the, the most, to be honest, the most disgusting thing. Okay. And now I'm glad they say it burnout. It's not, you know, in 2018, they changed it to burnout. But before that, it was called dysfunctional physician. So to me, I did lots of work and I did, I was in a program. I was in a program for dysfunctional slash burnt out physician. And I was in that program for nine weeks. I did not practice. That was, uh, again, one of the worst times. And again, one of the good times that set me and allowed me to be where I am today. After those nine weeks, believe me, the work was not done. The, the work is never done. You always have to work on yourself. 
but I start to practice differently. One of the things I noticed, hey, I don't have to be there seven days a week for my patients to love me. I can work four days. I can turn my phone off. If I am not on call, my phone is not on. I do not answer if I am not on call. You need to take care of yourself first before you can take care of anyone else. And we feel guilty. Like, you know, sometimes when I get a phone call from the hospital and I am not on call and I don't answer because they need to reach out to the physician on call, I feel guilty. But then I start to remind myself, I'm doing this for me because I want to continue to serve. I want to continue to help. So for me, after the work that I've done for nine weeks, I started to think about ways of how can I implement those things? So I always liked yoga. So yoga was part of my uh, practice. Meditation, I dabbled with meditation before, you know, uh, for years and years. Now I am an avid meditator. I meditate every morning. It can be five minutes, can be 45 minutes. I spend time alone, which I think is very important. Obviously, you have three children, so time alone for you can be different than time alone for me. But I try my best to carve out time for myself. And morning time is my sacred time. I need me in the morning. I need to prepare for the rest of the day. So I have morning ritual, morning routine. I journal. I walk. I do lots of nature, hikes and walks and biking. And I read and I got rid of toxic people in my life. Which is huge. Just huge. So these are some of the things I did for myself. Did you do anything that didn't help? And let me preference this question. I'm thinking about the things that like, I tried this and I did that. And I, you know, like, and like some things stuck, like you said, like for me, I, I love to hike. And so that's my meditative space when you're not, when it's truly that meditative space but I didn't find so much help in like some of the other mindfulness stuff. I'm curious to know, like we know what it sounds like what worked well for you was the movement of yoga, meditation, time with yourself, you know, setting boundaries and getting rid of that toxicity, toxic relationships, toxic people. What didn't work for you? Cause I, that's always my question. <laughs> when I listen to a lot of people tell their like hell and back again story, I think they leave out because you, for me, I had to try a lot of different things, honestly. You know, it's funny you ask this because I'm sure there are lots of things I tried and it did not work for me for different reasons. And I'm trying, I'm like, right, like now I'm trying to think what didn't work for me. I should say, because I was probably already into like mindfulness before and I practiced yoga before and I meditated before, but not consistently. I took that route and it continued to work for me and I added on it. Mm. I'll tell you what things did not work for me. What did not work for me when I did not find the right therapist, which is obviously huge. When I had to change therapists, when I had to change physicians, uh, when I had to change healers, a Reiki practitioner, for example, or somebody I could not connect with. I've tried it all. I don't know about you, but I've tried it all. I did not leave anything out. I did ac acupuncture. I did, oh, again, Reiki. I did massages. I still do. I did, I don't know, voodoo stuff. That did not work for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I was desperate. 
I'm the same way. There's been some things that I think about now, and I was like, that was a little wackadoo, (laughs) even for a DO type of thing. You know, one thing that didn't work for me is self-help books, nonfiction. Like, I just can't get into it. And I was like forcing myself, forcing myself, forcing myself. And what I realized is like, I love stories, whether they come in a fiction form or like your book, like talking from your actual real life experience. I just, I just don't like nonfiction and I don't, I don't get into it. And so I've like given myself the permission to say like, okay, that doesn't work for you. And that's okay. Like, give me the cliff note version and I'll read like the last chapter and then I'm good. On most non-fiction. I love, love, love what you just said. I love it. I'll tell you why. Because I feel, and my book is short. It's like 140 pages, okay? And it's like, it's as you said, it's my personal story. And it's like what worked for me. And what I think it's like, I, I call it the book of common sense, to be honest with you. So I did not stuff my book with things that I felt like, okay, it's, it's redundant. Okay. And I think that's part of why self-help books, sometimes they're not helpful, And it's really hard to read a whole self-help book, just period. I'll tell you how self-help books helped me and not all of them helped me. A few of them helped me and I swear by a few of them. I took, as you said, the cliff notes from the most boring book, I took one to two pointers and I applied them to my own life, to what happened to me, to what's going on with me. And those are the ones I benefited from. I love to compare notes with you. My one book that I think nonfiction made the most impact in my life is Self-Compassion by Dr. Kristen Neff. That is one of the best. It's the first self-care book. It is the best self-care. I mean, how she starts with, if your friend trips and fall, what do you do? Are you okay? And then if you trip and fall... Are you dumb? Are you stupid? Are you blah, blah, blah? I mean, how can you not love that like intro, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is one of the most powerful books. I think that Gift of Imperfection by Brené Brown is a phenomenal book also. I quote quite a few books in my uh, book. Good. Just because I feel it's important. So the the Gift of Imperfection is one powerful one. I love the teaching of... Dr. Wayne Dyer about, you know, being a good person, good human, good, like, you know, spirituality. Uh, I listen to his podcast more than I, uh, I'm sorry, not podcast. He passed away. So it's, I listen to YouTube videos of his uh, and it's are so powerful and so grounding. So I feel that was probably for me, I have his books, but I probably could finish them. But listening to him was more helpful. And getting tips from him through YouTube. I don't know how you feel about like motivational speeches and YouTube videos or podcasts like such as yours. You know, it was like, I think. It, oh, it- I love them. I think there's <laughs> something about hearing the person's voice and their inflection. Mm-hmm. I I love podcasts, obviously. And I have started to get into more audiobooks that are nonfiction mm-hmm. when it's the person telling their story, like the Will Smith's re- new book. I loved it. I loved it how he read it. Tina Fey, I loved her book because it was she was reading it and it just felt like it felt like a really great story. And so 
I do think that when I want that personality and that personal touch, I love the Office Ladies podcast, listen to it every week, and they just release their new book. So listening to them banter on their audiobook, I think it really is. And that, for me, I think it gives me that connection. And I love it now because I've been podcasting now for several years when somebody comes up to me and they're like, you sound the same here as on your podcast. And I'm like, absolutely, I do. Yes. <laughs> I know. They, we already have a connection. And so, yeah, I think that definitely listen to an audiobook and podcasting super helpful as well for me. Yeah. That Atomic Habits also by James Clear is one like great book. Did I finish it? No. Do I love it? Yes. Because again, I picked up from it, you know, a few things that I thought was very empowering, especially when he says it doesn't matter how long you practice a habit or to build a habit. It's, it matters how many times you practice, you know, so how many times you practice and the more you practice, the more it becomes part of you. And uh, the more it depends on what the habit, obviously, it's just like the, the more you do it and it stays with you and becomes second nature. So to me, like making my bed, I had to practice making my bed because I didn't used to make my bed. And now I, you know, I did it for several days in a row. And I'm like, wow, this is really good. I cannot leave my house now without making my bed, which when I come home at night, guess what? My room is so much nicer. It's my bedroom, you know, it's like, it's just the place where I feel safe and I get my sleep. By the way, sleep is huge, awesome thing. I can reveal one of the uh, pillars of health and number one is sleep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, and I use that so much in clinical practice. Like when I have somebody who comes in depressed, anxious, whatever, one of my first questions is, so tell me about your sleep, mm-hmm. you know, and they all giggle or like Ugh, <laughs> eye roll or whatever. And I just remind them sleep is our body's reset. It's the best like antidepressant, anti-anxiety that we have that switch of it. And if you're not sleeping well, no, like you're going to feel like shit. No doubt. And, and I don't know. I'm sure you ask your patients, like, it's like, so how many hours of sleep do you think you need to get? And the answer, it most of the time, it shocks me because when the average of six hours, I'm just like, what, where did you learn that from? And, you know, and we as physicians, and you know, our sleep was so disrupted for so many years mm-hmm. and so interrupted. And we thought we should just keep going. And I'm so, because this is what we do because we're givers. This is the way it is. Exactly. I mean, it's like you, you slave yourself during residency and you're you, during your internship, you slave yourself during your first year of practice. And you feel like, no, I can keep going. I can, I can do this. And then you realize, no, you can't. No, you can't. I don't know. Have you heard of this expression? I just, I was listening to a podcast. I traveled yesterday to Bloomington and I was listening to a podcast and it was about human giver syndrome. Have you heard that term before? Mm, no, tell us more. So I was, again, like it's a podcast. I'm just like, oh, and it's Brene Brown podcast and it's a book about burnout. And it's like a human, I'm going to read it. Human giver syndrome is the false contagious belief that women have a moral obligation to be pretty, happy, calm, generous, and attend to the needs of others. And I'm like, wow. And uh, obviously, it's not just women. I think there are plenty of men also who are givers. The way they explained it, that's you keep giving and you keep giving because it's expected of you. 
it's not just expected of you. You expect that of yourself. You know, I mean, that's that's what happened to me because I had high expectations of myself being a perfectionist, which a word I hated when people would tell me, oh, you're such a perfectionist. I'm like, I'm not a perfectionist. And then, you know, and the more perfect they told me I was, the worse I got because I wanted to hold up to their standards. So I don't know about you. I mean, I'm curious to know. Oh, I'm a recovering perfectionist as well. (laughs) (laughs) We're perfectly imperfect. We are perfectly imperfect. Yes. Well, and so many times we get in that perfectionistic cycle, we use verbal self-punishment, like the talk in our head, self-hatred sometimes to motivate us. But eventually that eats you alive. It does. And And that's why I think... I still will always praise Dr. Neff actually came on my podcast. I was so excited to have her because no one ever teaches us self-compassion. No. It's like you said, the always the giving someone else, you know, Mm -hmm. taking care of somebody, uh, someone else's needs above your own. And really what self-compassion is, is treating yourself the same way that you do treat others. So you can still be a giver, but also be a giver to yourself and you can still take care of others, but always still take care of yourself. And you can like things particular and nice, but good enough is good enough. And giving that compassion to yourself is so important. And I I think it's also very important to distinguish between self-care, self-love, taking care of yourself and a word people throw around these days so liberally, or like, uh, you're a narcissist. I'm like, excuse me? You know, it's like, because if you do things for yourself first and you're not, you know, and setting boundaries, and it's like uh, some other people, they may believe or think that, oh, she's such a narcissist. I mean, I feel like this word has been thrown around like recently and not the not in the right context. I don't know if you've experienced that. Yeah, I think so too. And and what I remind people that I coach or talk with is like, yeah, being called selfish is is not a horrible thing, actually. Yeah, I am selfish. I, I know that I am. But I also know that if I don't take care of myself and if I'm not selfish, mm-hmm. then I'm selfless and I lose myself and I burn out and I am not a happy person. Yes, yes. I don't know if also like what happened to me because again, I was people pleaser and I love people obviously, but then I personally believe when I set, was able to set boundaries and practice self-love and self-care, people, I felt they were more genuine with me. They were more loving. They were more kind. They respected the boundaries I set for myself. Mm-hmm. They still love me. It's amazing when you do set those boundaries that people learn to abide with them. Mm-hmm. Now, are they always happy about it? No. No. But you know what? They're grown-ass adults, and they get to handle their emotions, just like we had to relearn how to handle ours as well. Absolutely. I use a – hopefully that's going to be a title for my next book. Unparent, reparent, be a parent. Because don't we all, like, at some point, I mean, doesn't matter how perfect your parents are. There are things that – you probably would have loved to change and then unlearn them and then learn what really matters to you and then apply that to your, you know, how you raise your children. So I don't know. That sounds like a great next book. I am excited for this first book though. Tell people 
where they can get it, if you're doing pre-orders, all the details, drop them right here. So it is now the sign up for the book. It is on my website, which is drlamiacatby.com. And then if you sign up for the book, you get actually 15 minutes meditation, uh, which will guide you through the five pillars of health uh, to free meditation. And uh, it's done by me. And then you get a, a calendar that have tips on self-care. So 30 days of self-care tips for everyone. Simple. It's as simple as giving yourself a hug, you know, or tell yourself, I love you. Or, you know, just go for a walk or a bike. So that's simple things. But it is, that is probably how you can sign up for the book and know when it is going to be published. Uh, I am on Instagram. Again, Dr. Lamia Cadby. Those are my major two. No, I'm not doing a pre-sale. It is going to be like one big launch and then hopefully we'll follow some more events. Good. Well, Dr. Cabby, thank you so much for coming, for reaching out to me and letting me know that you're in my corner of the world and just sitting down and having a wonderful conversation with me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome. I, I loved it. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. I've heard it takes a village to raise a child. But you know what else? After raising that child and once that kid has grown up, it takes a community to care for them. Communities are what keeps us sane. They help us heal our trauma. They dance with us when we're winning. Without my online communities, I would have never made it through burnout. And I certainly would have gotten through the shitstorm of this pandemic either. If you too need community, I want to invite you over to my badass Slack group. That's right, I'm not going to be on Facebook, but I do love me some Slack. It's a place where you'll find that you're not the only one. You're not alone. You'll get total validation on what's going on with you. There's a pool of resources. Community is active and rating to welcome you in. We are all helpers who have needs. And sometimes we need to have a community that can surround us, protect us, give us a hug, and lift us up. And that's what the badass Slack community is. So come join me today. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again, Dr. Cappy, for coming on the podcast. Well, first of all, for reaching out and having me schedule this with you because I am so excited to know you and your story and how you have continued to persevere through just amazing odds at this point. And for my people out there, if you're in Indiana, I would love to talk to you. If you're doing rural medicine, if you've been labeled a dysfunctional physician or brought your wave out of burnout, maybe you're a new doc who doesn't want to burn out, I would love to talk to you as well. So just drop me an email at hello at burntouttobadass.com or send me a direct message in the Aaron Wiseman Badass group. Either way, you can get a hold of me and I would just love to spotlight your story and talk to you in person as well. So there you go. All right, my friend. Well, remember, as always, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. See you, friend. <laughs>